This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. Well, hallelujah. Let's pray before we get into the Word. And hallelujah. You ready? All right. Father, we just come before you tonight in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that... You're giving us listening ears, Father God, not only with our natural ears, but with our spiritual ears, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that you're changing us, Lord, from glory to glory. Father, we just purpose in our hearts to live life your way and not our way. And, Lord, we just thank you for this word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, I want to remind you that next Thursday night on the 18th is our servant leaders meeting. Now, we like to... uh Raise up leaders and followers, because not everybody can be a leader, but you can sure be anointed followers, amen. And so our servant leader meeting is once a month, the third Thursday of every month at 6.30 to 7.30 in Victory, and there is child care for five and under. So I want to encourage you to come to those. They're really, really beneficial. They really help you. Not, not only do they help you like in your church life, but they'll help you on your job as well. If you learn how to, how to do things you know, uh, being a servant, being a leader, it's going to get you promotions on your natural job. Amen. Not to mention the fact that you're going to be awesome people in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, right? Okay. All right. Well, the, tonight, the title of tonight's message is, What Would You Sell the Blessing For? What would you sell the blessing for? If the blessings of God were up for sale, what would you sell them for? What would, in other words, what would you sell out for? So we're going to look at somebody who actually did that in the Bible. Um, we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau tonight. Jacob and Esau were twins, and they were born to Isaac and Rebekah. Esau was born first. If Heidi's in here tonight, I don't see Heidi, but... You know, she had twins, and one of them was born first. I don't know which one, but one of them was. And uh, so somebody's always born first. So Esau was born first. Esau grew up to be a hunter. He liked to hunt. He liked to be outside. And Jacob liked to stay back in the tents. He was kind of like the nerd of the day back then. If they'd have had computers back then, he would have been on his constantly, I'm sure. But I want to talk about this. I'm going to, if you want to follow me again, I'm in the New King James tonight, and I'm going to uh, start reading in Genesis 25, verses 29 through 24, what Esau did being the firstborn and what he did with his birthright. Verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Remember, Jacob was always hanging around the house, you know, the tent. Um, Esau was always out in the field hunting. You know, he was the outdoorsman. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What is it? This What is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread 
and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau sold his birthright basically for a bowl of beans. Now, see, in America, we don't understand, you know, birthright and all that kind of stuff. But in Israel, God had a special claim on the firstborn child, especially the firstborn male. And that included, like, when the, when the father passed away, that the, that the birthright child, the firstborn boy, would get a double inheritance. Everybody else just got, you know, the single amount. But he got... The double amount, you know, everybody else got a thousand dollars. Let's say he got two thousand. So that was one of the benefits of being uh, having a birthright. And early on, also, it was included in the privilege of being in the priesthood. And then later on, uh, it was changed to the tribe of Levi. So they didn't really, you know, say the firstborn had to be um, in the in the Levitical priesthood. So they moved that to uh, the the account of Levi. So I'm going to flip over to to 27. This is amazing what happens here. You could just listen if you want to. Just pretend like you're sitting on my lap at home on the sofa and I'm reading you a story. Only this is a true account, okay? All right. Genesis 27, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac, now he's the dad, was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. They didn't have glasses back then. That he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. Now, Esau was Isaac's favorite, and Jacob was Rebekah's favorite. So you got this little kind of competition thing going on. Verse 2, then he said, Behold, now I am old, Isaac says, and I don't know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. So Esau knows that his father is going to speak a blessing over him because supposedly he, he has the birthright. Um, Isaac doesn't know that Esau sold his birthright. He doesn't know that. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. Now, Rebekah's a little conniver. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it in. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her favorite son, saying, Instead, indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. So a whole lot of deceiving, a whole lot of conniving going on. Can you see that? That's why I love the Bible. It tells the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I mean? It's all in here. (laughs) Verse 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. Side note. Some of my sons have a lot of hair, such as this one over here. And my son, Ben. Now, this one over here, not so much. You know why? No, 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 no. No, because pastor's grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee, and so 
people that have Native Native American, like Rob, where's Robert back there? He has a lot of Native American in him. He Robert doesn't have any hair either. So so David over here doesn't have a whole lot of hair as compared to this guy over here. Correct? Is that right, Joshua? Okay, I'm just looking to you for the approval here. And you also have all the manliness. Okay, no, but you're the major nerd, kid. <laughs> you are the major nerd, major nerd one, number one, nerd number dose over here. Okay, so it is possible in the same family to have somebody that has a lot of hair, boing, and somebody who has not so much. Yeah, that's my, my comes from my side of the family, the Carter side. Okay, so now I have to find my place. Having said all that, where was I? Okay. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. Well, duh, you are. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get after them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands so that when Isaac felt his hands, he felt the hair on the back of his hands. Only it wasn't Esau's hair. It was the hair of a goat. Boy, what a stinker. And on the smooth part of his neck. He had a hairy neck. Do you have a hairy neck? Oh, sorry. I forget all this. <laughs> then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Meanwhile, Esau was out in the field. And so he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, here I, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? In other words, how did you go hunting and bring it back and cook it and all this so fast? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Here he is bringing God in on his lies. Isn't that disgusting? He's, he said God did it. Good Lord. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. And one lie after another. You go through and count how many lies were, you know, whew, took place here. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that I'm, my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, see, so Rebecca knew that Esau had a certain scent about him, you know. So that's why she put Esau's clothing on ja on uh, Jacob so that he would even smell like Esau. So this was the blessing that Isaac spoke over Jacob. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God you give you of the dew of heaven 
of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. So, wow, that was done by major deception, right? But let's remember that in the first place, Esau had little regard for his birthright and sold it for a pot of beans. You know, I don't particularly care for beans, so that is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay, so let me see here a minute. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 1. Actually, Pastor Dave brought this little tidbit forth one time not too long ago when he was teaching, and I had never thought about it. And uh, this is really interesting. Matthew chapter 1. Thank you, Josh. Oh, hairy one. (laughs) Okay, Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. This is the chapter that has all the begets in it, you know, who, who is so, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. This is the father, the grandfather, great-grandfather, and on and on it goes. Look at verse 2. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. We're supposed to be listing firstborns here. Whose name should, should have been there? Esau's. So this should have read, if Esau hadn't been stupid, Isaac begot Esau, and Esau begot dun da 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 and down and down the line it went. But it doesn't say that because Esau sold his birthright. He did not get his birthright. So it reads, Isaac begot Jacob. Isn't that an interesting little tidbit? Thanks for digging that up for us, Pastor Dave. That's really good. Okay, but I want to liken this to us today. As born-again believers, we are given a birthright in Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to take a little liberty here, and, I'm, and we're going to compare the birthright of being a firstborn son to a birthright of being a born-again child of God. The cool thing about being a born-again child of God is we all have the same, right? We all have the same. It doesn't matter if I got born again before you or you got born again before me. It doesn't matter. We all have that same Holy Ghost, hallelujah, born again, birthright in Jesus Christ. But too many Christians today aren't respectful of that birthright and are living their lives their own sinful ways. They are committing sins, doing things, and they are committing sins of omission. Now, sins of omission are when the Lord has told you to do something and you've not done it. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, he could tell you all kinds of stuff. Like, like say, for instance, when the Holy Ghost uh, showed Pastor and I that we were, were to move from Indiana to, to Barstow, California, he could have said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to California. But that wouldn't have been good. Because the Lord instructed us to come here. So if we had refused to come here, that would have been a sin of omission. And there wouldn't have been a whole lot of blessing in what was going on in our life. Let me just tell you a little secret. If you want blessed beyond what you've ever thought or imagined, you be in the will of God. 
day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. You'll be in God's will and you'll be abundantly blessed. But too many Christians are ignorant of, of God's plans for things and God hates sin. Now, you know, we've been pastors for a long time and we can look out at our, at our people whom we dearly love. And we love all of our sheep and God loves all of his sheep. They're his sheep first and he loves everybody. But so many of his sheep are sinning. And, you know, uh, somebody made the comment the other day about Hollywood, and they called it Holly Weird. And I thought, ooh, that's a real good word. We need to change the song. Well, no, I don't want anybody to go up there and commit, you know. Uh, <laughs> what a vandalism. Thank you for that big word. Vandalism on the Hollywood sign. But it really should say Holly Weird, right? Because it is kind of weird. But Hollywood um, portrays all kinds of sins, many of them sexual sins, so much so that it has filtered into the to the populace, the society of America, because of what comes out of Hollywood. But they lie and they don't tell the truth, right? Now, you can go watch a good Christian movie. That's cool. But for the most part, what's coming out of Hollywood is a bunch of junk. The people that are coming out of Hollywood, the actors and actresses, I, could, I don't care what they have to say about anything. I don't, I don't want their opinion. Their opinion means nothing to me unless they're a born-again actor and they're quoting something out of the Word of God. Then, hey, I'll listen to what he's got to say or her, but otherwise I could care less what they have to say. But Hollywood has brought into our homes, if we let it, all the filth of the world. It's brought in stuff that we wouldn't personally bring into our living room, like sexual acts going on. We wouldn't personally bring people into our living room and say, here, have at it, you know, while we're all sitting around watching or whatever, you know. But we have brought it in through our televisions, through maybe movies that are brought into the house. So what's the difference? Now, I passed everybody, uh, I tried to pass everybody out a little card about the Ten Commandments. So you got a little card about the Ten Commandments. So why did God give us the Ten Commandments? Why did God give the Ten Commandments to Moses? Was it because he didn't have anything else in the world to do? No, he had a reason for it. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments so that the people would know what the sins were. Too many Christians today don't have a clue what the sins are unless somebody calls out, the sin, and says, this is sin. You shouldn't be sinning. So here on your lovely little Ten Commandments card, it lists ten things that the Lord doesn't like, that are sins to him. So God, through the Ten Commandments, was calling out sin. You know, when I was a kid, everybody knew the Ten Commandments. Um, They were in all the courtrooms. They were on courtroom walls. You go inside, there they are right there. They were on the courthouse square. They were even on jewelry. I remember when I was a little girl, I had a bracelet that had the Ten Commandments on it. Do you remember having one of those students? You know, they have little Ten Commandments on them. They, do you still have it? Wow, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> she still has hers. So people everywhere knew what the Ten Commandments were. But how many of you seen on television where they where they where they're knocking over the 10 commandments that are taking them down off of the courtroom walls or knocking them down off of the courthouse square they're doing stuff like that you know why they do that they don't want to know what the sins are 
so they can freely sin. That way they complete ignorance. Oh, I didn't know that was a sin. Yeah, duh. Yep. That's why they do that. They do not want to they don't want the light of God's word shining in their eyes when they walk into the courtroom. They don't want the light of God's word shining in their eyes anywhere. You know, a couple of summers ago we went to Indiana to to visit Jason and Ben and Jason lives in this cool little well, he lives in Atlanta, Indiana, but it's near Tipton, Indiana. So I love to go to Tipton because they have this little shop there. I have a chicken theme in my kitchen and I go into this little secondhand store and they always have a bunch of chickens. So I go in there, not real chickens, but you know, chicken stuff. So I go in there and I buy all their chicken stuff and I'm happy as a lark. So we were walking down the road one day, Pastor and I, as after we had gone into an antique store and right there in front of me, I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook, right there on this on this person's who happened to own the property in the courthouse square a thing of the Ten Commandments right there. It was huge. And I thought, oh, glory to God. But it was on this guy's personal property, you know. Right there it was, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and the courthouse was right across the street. And I thought, man, this is really cool. So, you know, people walking by read that. They they know, you know, what sins, what's not. Actually, there's more sins than just what's on this on the Ten Commandments, if you stop to think about it. So, um too many Christians today are unknowingly or knowingly selling their birthright so they can live in sin. And that's not good. But what is the standard? I want to show you a couple of books that I have in the bookstore that I wrote. This one's called Morality, What is the Standard? That's in the bookstore. Because some people don't have a clue what the standard is. But, hey, I'm telling you tonight what the standard is. That book's in the bookstore. And I also have one that's called Searching for Truth, the Bible and Homosexuality. It's got every single scripture you can think of about homosexuality in this in this little book here. So I suggest that you get those, you know. It's kind of a shortcut to you having to look through the Bible to see, well, what is the standard? Well, here's the little book that tells you exactly what the standard is. Okay, so as pastors, we love you so much that we're supposed to call out sin. In general. Now, a while back, a few months ago, I called out somebody's sin and they didn't speak to me for a couple months. But that's okay because their blood's not on my head. Because I told them, look, this is what you're doing. This is what's screwing up your life. This is what's messing you up royally and you need to stop this lifestyle, turn it around and walk the other way. And they got mad at me, but that's okay. Because I don't mind people getting mad at me. When I'm doing my part as a, as a pastor, or as you, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, maybe see other brothers and sisters in the Lord doing stuff, and you, you tell them, look, I love you, and because of that, I'm going to tell you what you're doing is wrong. So if you're, how many of you are parents in here? Okay, parents are great things to be, amen? Well, how many of you, if you saw your child playing in the little sandbox, and a rattlesnake came by, wouldn't grab your child or do something to get your child out of harm's way, or are you just going to turn around and walk the other way and say, ah, whatever happens, happens, you know, as your child gets bitten by a snake and dies? Well, see, you can liken that to to anybody telling you about sin. If I see a rattlesnake in your life, I'm going to say something about it because you need to know. You need to know. See, it's not right for me not to tell you What's wrong? What the sin, what sin is? If it's gonna if it's gonna get you bit, 
bitten by the devil, you know, and so that you lose the blessings. So, you know, I like what Pastor Dave said the other day. I mean, like I'm saying, I'm going to read you a whole list of sins here in a minute. You get to look at them too. Whoopee. Pastor Dave says that sexual sin is the worst because we had always heard for years, all sins the same. Well, no, it's not. Because God himself destroyed an entire area just because of sexual sin. Destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of sexual sin. He didn't dis- destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they were stealing, you know, gumdrops from the general store. You know what I'm saying? It was because of sexual sin that he stole, that he, uh, that he uh, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And again, I'm in the New King James tonight. Just because I, I really like the New King James. Galatians chapter 5. Okay, Galatians 5, uh, beginning in verse 19, says this. How many of you know that sin is because of the, your, the, your flesh? You know, it's because of this. It's because of the flesh. 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Definition of adultery is somebody having sex with somebody that's married, and you're not the, you're not the marriage partner. You're not the, marriage, the person that's married to him. You're not the husband or wife. Fornication. That's when single people are having sex. Sex before marriage is a no-no. Period. So, you know, what are you going to do about it? Continue in it and sell your birthright? What are you going to do about it? Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, that's witchcraft stuff. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. Gee, sounds like Jacob... You know, and Esau, Jacob had a real selfish ambition. He wanted his brother's birthright, you know. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, is that kind of plain? <laughs> That's kind of plain. If you are practicing any of these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm just reading the Bible to you. I didn't make this up. Okay, this is God's plan, not mine. That means they are selling their birthright for the right of what they think is their right to commit sin. That's what they're doing, selling their birthright. That's pretty sad. Now, it says here practicing the sin. But there's a real quick fix for this if you choose to live by it, and that's 1 John 1.9. So listen to, read, open your Bibles to 1 John 1.9, towards the back there by Revelation. God always makes a way, Amen. If you're willing to do things his way. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. If. See the big if. That's conditional. If you do or if you don't. If you do confess your sins. 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we do not confess our sins to him, then he is faithful and just to not forgive our sins and to not cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can read that both ways. See what I'm saying? But, you know, if you have, if you have sin, if you do anything that is sinful, you need to immediately go to the Father and say, Lord, forgive me. You know, that doesn't mean that you go out and have sex, you know, 12 times this week with somebody you're not married to. And each time you say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Hey, you know, smarten up here. You know, God's not stupid. So you need to, you know, if you're serious about living a sin, as sin-free of a life as possible, then you say, Lord, forgive me our sin. Help me to turn the other way. To repent means to make a complete 180 and go in the opposite direction and to live completely different. There's all kinds of sins. I'm just talk, I just happen to be talking about this one tonight. And I've told people before, if you're living together, it would be better for one of you to move out, even if it's under a tree in the tent in the backyard. And if you love each other, you need to make a date to get married like ASAP. Because it's like Brother Josh says. Hi, Josh. Josh says, sex is one thing that can be a sin one night. You get married, and it's a blessing of God the next day. And isn't that true? Because God wants things done his way. The word says, the word says that the marriage bed is undefiled and blessed. God blesses it. But he does not bless the sin. In, uh, in John chapter 8, Jesus tells the woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. So what does go and sin no more mean? Yeah, it means stop. Well, whoa, stop. You know, turn around, go the other way. It's possible. You can do that. Amen. It's really, really possible. Okay, look up Galatians uh, 6. Galatians chapter 6. And verse 7 and 8 says this. It says, do not be deceived. You know, he's telling us, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. God's not stupid. You're not going to trick God. You're not going to fool God. God knows everything, and he will not be mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Pretty cool scripture, huh? Look up Revelations 3, verse 5. Jesus says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blout out his name 
from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So that says to me, we become born-again Christians. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If we decide, the heck with you, God, I'm going to live life my own way. I'm going to live with whoever I want to. I'm going to have sex with whoever I want to. I'm going to lie whoever I want to. I'm going to watch porn whenever I want to. I'm going to steal from whoever I want to. It's possible for your name to be erased from the Lamb's Book of Life. That means you ain't going to heaven, honey. Hey, I'm just reading the Bible to you. You don't have to look there. You can write this down. Malachi 3.6, the Lord says, I am the Lord and I change not. That's what God says. In Hebrews 13.8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's not changing. So who does that mean has to change? We have to change. Are we smarter than God? When God says, don't do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and we go ahead and do that, that's sin. So many, you know, there's a term, I don't even know if you've heard this term before, but it's called sloppy agape. You ever heard of that? Sloppy agape. Anybody hear that term? Yeah, okay, agape is the God kind of love. Sloppy agape. And there's too many churches, Dr. Barkley will tell you about this. There's too many churches around where the pastor will get up and he'll drink beer while he's preaching to you. Or he's got a couple of girlfriends or, you know, whatever. And that's sloppy agape. That's not God. That's not God. Sin is sin. Right? So so who is that pastor that's drinking beer? He was talking about a pastor in Cincinnati doing that. Who is, you know, of course, there are other places too. But who's that guy think he is to defile the, the, the pulpit of the Most High God, to stand behind there and, and to blatantly sin? Where's he leading his people to? Hell. He's saying it's okay to sin. I can sin. You can sin. Guess what? Nobody can sin. We are to be holy as he is holy. Are we perfect? No. We are not perfect. Jesus was perfect. But we strive to be like Jesus. We, tr- we strive to be holy and perfect as Jesus was. That's why you've got to be so sensitive in your heart. You know, I was talking to somebody one day, and I said something, and boy, the Holy Ghost really just grabbed me right here. Like, you shouldn't have said that. And I said, sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. I said, forgive me, I should not have said that. You know, so maybe it's something we're saying. You know, but you just need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. So, do not sell out your born-again birthright. Do not sell out your blessings. Do not of your own actions let your name be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Amen. We've got, to, we've got to straighten up, people. We can't live sloppy, agape Christian lives. If we expect God to work through us when we lay hands on the sick, when we're out witnessing to people, we have got to be a holy people. 
You know, it was the shadow of Peter walking down the road. He was a holy man that drew people to him. I'm going to tell you a story about Pastor one time. Pastor was, I don't know where you, what state you're in. He was in the bathroom at the men's urinal, okay? And this guy comes up to him and says, what is it about you? I've got to have what you, what you've got, you know? Even in the midst of a urinal, and the, you know, the men's, he saw Jesus all over the pastor. And he led him to the Lord right at the urinal. I mean, hey. Amen. So anyway, you know, we need to love one another enough. You know, I hate this thing that goes around. Oh, you can't judge me. Baloney. You know, hey, baloney. This is what gives us the right to judge people. You know, if you're living in sin and it says so right here, hey. You know, hey, and I like what Pastor says. Only God could. What Pastor Dave says. Only God can judge me. Hey, I would tremble in my boots if only God can judge. You know, judge. I mean, only God can judge me. Hey. Also, like remember when we take communion, it says judge yourselves, so you don't have to be judged. So when you're judging yourself, Lord, I'm doing this wrong. You know, or sometimes just say, you know, you don't have to conjure up stuff. Oh, I'm a vile sinner. No, no. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But if we choose of ourselves to go around sinning, then that's not going to fly. You know, that's just not going to fly at all. So let's be holy people. You want to be a holy people? Okay, well, turn away from that sin, man, and quit it. All right? Hallelujah. So if I drive by your house and you happen to be living together and I see a tent in your yard, I don't know. Hey, they got it. They got it right. Woohoo! Stand up, everybody. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I'd rather live in a tent in the backyard, even if it's cold outside. You can always build a fire than to go to hell. (laughs) All right, come on up, altar team. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.